This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So welcome, welcome back to Studio Secrets A to Z. I'm your host, Anthony J. Resta, and I am thrilled and honored today. Uh, one of my favorite people in not just the pedal world, but the guitar world is Joshua Heath Scott, who is here from JHS Pedals. And welcome, Josh. I'm so thrilled to have you here, man. Yeah, great to be on here. Long time coming, for sure. Yeah, we've been planning this for know, a little under a year. And uh, yeah. you, know, you, have, you have a million things going on. And... Um, so there's always some there's so much exciting i'm going to start off kind of with the present and then work my way back instead of starting like when you were a boy when you started playing guitar but, sure. um, so one of the most exciting things um that really got me retuned into you i mean way back in the in the early 2000s i i had a i had some jh pedals i had no idea who you were and stuff like that but then years went by and i kind of tuned in and out and then when M- madison cunningham came along um that changed like everything for me, it's like I, I'm one of these cynical people that, you know, I've been doing this 30 years. So it's like it, it's rare that somebody comes along and just makes you like pull over in the car. And that's what happened with her. And then I stumbled across your video with her and I was like, this guy is just like beyond cool. Like there's you're the coolest of cool. How Tell me how you and Madison ended up hooking up. Yeah, I, I know the feeling of it's like. This, this, it's like the the weird music as a profession breeds cynicism because you just, you know, same stuff all the time. And everyone says there's magic and it's like, there's really no magic. It's just you work hard and you make good stuff. And But then you see someone or something, you know, come along. And I guess every industry is kind of like this. But I remember hearing a Madison, an early EP 
right before the first full length. And um, a friend let me hear it. And then we got an email from Tyler, her producer, as they were working on the first record, the full length that has like pin it down and, and all yeah. that. And I knew Tyler, his name's Tyler Chester. I knew him kind of through the kind of connections you have as a pedal person, you know, always helping yep. artists or like, and we had, we were friends of some similar friends and he said, Hey, I've got this, this girl in here and we're working on her guitar sound. Like there's a very specific thing she's trying to nail down. And it came down to like the use of always on vibrato and stuff. So I, sure. I kind of sent them some things and, you know, no one had ever heard that first record. I had heard the EP, which is still amazing, but it doesn't have what I would consider the Madison Cunningham sound on it yet. So that first EP is kind of like Madison Cunningham right before what we would think of her now. Uh, it's a wonderful EP. It's still the same clever songwriting lyrics are just like unbelievable. You know, it's still her, but they basically developed this using two amps and this always on vibrato from a product of mine at the time called the emperor chorus. Okay. And, um, they had it in the vibrato mode. And so she used that through the whole record. They never really turned it off. They also used the unicorn a bit in the vibrato mode. And then as she toured on that record, that was definitely like people started discovering her. Um, and I found myself out in L.A. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be out in L.A. So I got a hold of Tyler. I was like, hey, I'd love to do a thing here. Like, I feel like Madison's the most underrated thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, after that record came out. Absolutely. So I went up and met. I was like, I'm going to do an episode called Who is Madison Cunningham? And we went and filmed that, hung out with her. That's where I met her. So, okay. like, you know, I'd already kind of talked with them and she was using our stuff and then we met her there yeah and she was using our stuff from the get-go still is and but that's like how it started and then we just kind of evolved into this discussion of i would go see her when she was in town and i was noticing that like in her live performance that sound is so particular and so strong because she takes her guitar and it's flat wounds on a jazz master tuned down to basically C standard, wow, which so is it's very like a berry, kind of like a six yeah. string bass. Yeah. It's like a six string bass jazz master flat wild. It's very bizarre. I love and it. So the combination of that with the movement is that's that sound. It's that flabby, flat moving hypnotic sound. And I was watching her live, you know, and it sounds perfect, but she was having to constantly adjust for different things. And so I got with her and we, prototyped an idea that was essentially like just the exact thing she's using in that pedal simplified and then with a second setting so she I doesn't see. have to reach down yeah that's like the whole bit you know and then we i've been privileged to film those couple episodes whether the one after the release and she's a sweetheart and like she's brilliant like legitimately brilliant she's on a, a plane like that you don't really run into i mean i don't want to be like the old guy like like the old days but i mean i was a fanatic about joni mitchell growing up and i and i immediately heard this high level of poetry and this high level of like subtle intellect and like her song beautiful cliche just it brought tears to my eyes just the yeah. reading the words 
and I just and I, and I just started doing a little bit of research, and we share a lot of things. I love flat wounds. I like using stereo amps. I use baritone yeah. guitars a lot, and it just my whole soul just got sucked into her sound. And then I started watching the videos, and I was just like, oh my god, this is just life changing, you know. And then you, yeah. you were a big part of that, you know. You guys That's jamming. Cool. And, um, you know, I like watching, you know, you're, you're on your show. I think, uh, I think you're a fantastic guitarist. I don't think you get that as much as you should get because you really are a great guitarist. Um, Thanks. As well, as well as just being like, you know, the a technology guru. And I've heard people say that you're like, uh, what was the couple? Well, I, I read somewhere that you were you being in your place is like the Willy Wonka. You're like the Willy Wonka of pedals. <laughs> yeah. Stuff I heard like someone yeah. last year wrote a post the the Bill Nye of pedals or something ridiculous here like yeah. Willy Wonka. Yeah, I love it. I love it. No, your your enthusiasm. It's it's just and passion for it. it. And I'm just mesmerized by. I mean, first of all, let's talk a little bit about like how when you when did you start collecting that massive uh, collection you have there? Like how, how yeah. far back is that? I. I really, I had this like crossover moment, which happened when I was developing the Muffaletta. So if you're familiar with yes. JHS, I have three pedals that are in a series. They're kind of affectionately or internally named the multi-mode series. Uh, you know, it's, that's just what we call them. It's the Muffaletta came first, uh, Bonsai second, and Pack Rat has been third. And there will probably be more of those, but they... They're these very difficult projects, which were, hey, instead of instead of just making a big muff, which is nothing, you know, make a big muff. I wanted to actually take the specimens that everyone talks about in guitar, you know, the the Rams Head, the Civil War, all these sure. cult names. So I wanted to to just really study them. Um, I've I've I've. I have that annoyance with like, hey, let's just pull up a schematic on the internet and trust it. Like I've never felt, and I and I constantly see the errors in that. And you know, there's a lot of good meaning in people posting schematics and like saying they reversed it. But I have found like, I'm never really satisfied till we reverse it ourselves. And so I started collecting those big muffs. I see. Now I had I had I had pedals. I had a little shelf, you know. But like now this room, you, know, you can't see the 360, but it's this room plus a really crazy storage unit. I mean, it's it's like upwards of, it's above 5,500 pedals. It's like overwhelming almost. But it's like complete sets, complete series, all the stories, trying to find the inventors, interviewing them. You know, it's, it's more work than you could possibly even post on the internet in real time. So there's a lot of there's a lot of like that's what I love is is that search for the stories and the pieces and it really all started with okay I have these big muffs out on an eight foot plastic folding table from Costco that's where it was in the back of our old shop and I was like this is interesting I was I had them in front of me I had the knowledge of the internet you know it's it's where I had read stuff and I I'd, I'd read people's opinions but when I put them in front of me and actually studied them, hardly any of that was right. And then that's where this teacher brain in me kicked in. And I was like, ah, I don't like that. That sucks. People just believe stuff. And so sure. it turned into this. I just, I love education and teaching. I think it kind of struck a nerve with me because I love, I love guitar and I love pedals. So I think it was like this interesting combination of 
myth busting and teaching the right story and finding out the truth about things and then making devices, having fun with the past, but also properly documenting what's real and what's, and you know this from the studio world, there's so many like, there's just hundreds of myths people believe oh my about. Gosh. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what got me into it. And so then it escalated wildly. I think there's a misconception about clones. Like people think that, oh, you're just going to clone this pedal. That should be easy. and Anybody can do that. I think in some ways that might be harder than coming up with something original because you have this legacy that you're dealing with in history. And that this is what you're talking about is history. Yeah, yeah. To make, I mean, there's definitely things if you're going to clone them, the consideration there is is pretty, it depends on to what level, you know, and I've, I, I love replicating stuff. We've even done like Legends of Fuzz as a series of mine. I mean, you know, we go to the extent of like, you gotta, if you're going to clone something, don't do it from the internet. You automatically, do, it doesn't count. You need to get right. the unit and you need to look at that unit. And even with those multi-mode pedals, you know, we measure, we measured the tolerances and the age of the part. Like a 4.7 cap is no longer 4.7 50 years later. You've got resistors move. And so, so you have to, when you play an old piece of gear, I think some people confuse magic for just age. And yeah. so you can, you need to replicate that age a little bit um, where it's like, you know, if, if, if you take a tube screamer, something as simple as that, yeah. you know, I'm a dozen tube screamer, but you take one from 1982 and it sounds good. And then you put it up next to a new one and it'll sound good. And then someone's inevitably going to say the old one sounds better for various reasons, probably because they, they need it to sound better, but it will sound different and it'll sound different in a lot of cases just because it's older. And so that 100K resistor here is actually 115 or this 1UF cap is not quite 1UF anymore. And so when we went in and we do those kind of studies or replications, we're recreating that actual unit, not the schematic online. We're, we're looking at that unit and creating a like a holistic a, a kind of an experiment or a study of that pedal and replicating it. So, you know, no two things are identical, but especially when you start dealing with decade after decade of age, it can be very hard to clone something properly. And it is, it is kind of funny because cloning should be easy, but in some cases it can be pretty hard. Anyway. Yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking. And you know, it's like, you see these people like new old stock, like new old stock sixties, parts like I right. mean, what's that about like is that are they really if they're new old stock they're, they're, are they going to sound aged uh, or are they not going to sound aged just curious about um that. yeah i think the general thing for like a new old stock part would be the meaning of that should be hey here is for instance you know people go gaga over certain chips so it's like lm3 lm308 it's like the the rat chip whatever Yep. Let's say somebody finds a box of those that were, you know, the it's always some bizarre descriptor like found these in a warehouse in Miami, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Who knows? So yeah, it's like really they they're just new and they're old stock setting somewhere, and you know whether they age the same or not, it, the the control is hard there because. 
they would all age the same according to they've been in the same box. But, you know, weather and use, that stuff does matter. I mean, if you, especially like things like germanium transistors, I've bought a lot of them from England, like old stock. You know, you have them setting in barns that aren't air conditioned or heated. You you have stuff that'll happen to parts, you know. I think sure. it's a little hard to know. It's it's difficult it's, to know. It sounds like a crapshoot in a way to me. Um Yeah, it, it will be, absolutely. So if you got a say say you got a hundred of these like some germanium highly, you know, prized yeah. piece and, and out of that hundred, how different would they all sound? Do you think? I think it just depends on the part. Like with yeah. Germanium, I've done, we did a boost, uh, we did a play on the Range Master, a Germanium boost. I bought tens of thousands of these black glass OC71s. And, you know, you just have to find what works with that circuit. I mean, you're looking for certain things for certain circuits. So usable isn't necessarily even defined by working. Yeah. Usable might be is it even in the range of what you need it to be and that that would have been the case originally too but even more with new old stock because some of them are broken or you know time does break things moisture yep yep so it really depends it's the point of it i think even this whole subject it's like there is no there is no right or wrong that you can even write down for some of this stuff it's like it's so variable depending on what you're working on, where you got your thing, your information, what you're studying. There's a lot of variables. And I think the internet and people, you know, we we love to just hear like true, false and believe one or the other. A lot of times it's the nuance in between, you know, sure. it's difficult. Yeah. That's how recording can be. It's like there's so much nuance between. You can't tell somebody buy this mic and this pre and you'll sound like this. It's not gonna happen that way you know absolutely it's on any yeah. given day that same setup might even sound slightly different depending on the weather yeah. millions of things i mean i read the stories about eric johnson on, on his fuzz faces how he had different ones for different temperatures outside you know stuff like that you know and some people might think that's crazy but i i, I could see why that might actually be a thing you know and the, it's yeah. mythology it's myth some of it's myth some of it's magic but I find it fascinating, and I'm I'm a layman, so like I know some bud, buzzwords like OC seventy one, the black glass ones. Like yeah, yeah. I have a Hudson uh, early Hudson UK pedal that has uh, that in it, and I, I, he's one of my favorite builders. I love him. Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, the, the broadcast is is, and the color box is another one of my favorites for that. I'm really into the Beatles. Uh, yeah, I'll admit, yeah, I'll admit it, and uh, you know some of that those direct white tone, white album sounds really float my boat and you know there's certain ways to get there and um you know some guys doing it on a really high level like yourself in uh hudson uk i just fascinated so but yeah you know, like i am i'm a, a layman and i'm here to like learn more and i i want I, lo I love you know talking about this geeky stuff and the people that listen to our podcast like the geeky stuff too so yeah for sure uh, it, it's it's all it's all cool so like one of the interesting things you've done recently which is all over the internet was your Klon kit and i yeah, thought that was amazing i i missed getting one uh, i might get one at some point i i don't i don't know i don't think i even have a Klon clone i i i think that might be something i'll have to get at some point but tell us how that came to be and i know you have one of the most coveted clones ever right is in your collection uh yeah i have i have the first clon ever made and sold uh <laughs> which is wild to have yeah i That's i ended insanity. up with that years ago yeah i have uh 
about eight original cons, like all the different wow. variations and stuff, you know, like, you know, no horsey, horsey with a short tail, horsey with a long tail, gold, silver. It's crazy. You know, back originally, you know, adjusted for inflation, they were like 400 bucks or something like that. Yeah, they weren't and, cheap. Yeah, they, were, they weren't cheap, but they weren't like 8,000. So right. I remember a lot of mine were just casual trades with people like, hey, I've got I got this and I want your morning glory and a thing. I just trade them or something, you know, and it, and then it became, and then it became what it is. Yeah. So, but yeah, the, the Nauticon, the Nauticon is an interesting thing. I, you know, the people started really cloning, so to speak, the clan centaur around 2009s where it got, you know, it was pretty much public knowledge. Yeah. People had, learn to de-goop the circuit board and all that stuff. Right. And, and you get under the goop and you're like, okay, this is just, it's a circuit, you know, it's not witchcraft or something. You don't need a cauldron. It's, it, it's a circuit. You can make it. So you get under there and people realize, yeah, you can, you can, you can replicate these. And so I, I had made one early on early enough. I'm not sure. And the, the statement really means nothing to me, but I might've been like one of the first, people saying they're a pedal company. I was very small back then, but yep. I might have been one of the first to like sell a, a copy. I'm not sure, but that's how long ago. And then I quit, um, just went on with other things and it had just, you know, it's almost like this public domain circuit and I wanted to have some fun with it. And I just really struggled with, I don't want to just put another one out. Like, yeah. Is there something fun to do? And then, and then one day I kind of had this, this idea based around the Ikea thing, like the humor of like, they, they make you build your own furniture. And, and I just had that, that name, not a con came to mind. And I kind of immediately saw it with the umlet thing. And yeah, yeah, we just, and we just dug into that as a team and developed it. And it's fun. You know, it's not a con until you build it. That was the whole idea. <laughs> So there, there, it, it's a bit of a troll. It's a bit of a having fun. It's a bit of poking the bear a little. But at the end of the day, it's just I wanted to make a. I really just wanted to make a product that a lot of parents who love our brand could build stuff with their kids and just something different. You know, I just it's wanted really, to do really something. really cool. It was an opportunity, and it went really well. Yeah, you know, it went unbelievably well, and it's just yeah, shockingly you know, well. I've seen some of the um the the shootouts with the the seven thousand dollar clon and the the twenty nine dollar cheap um version that yeah. you get on on amazon yeah. and it's amazing how easy it is to get fooled how on some of those cheaper ones wh what are they doing that's not so bad <laughs> yeah i mean at the end of the day it's just a circuit like i've yeah. said this a lot it it's a circuit and it's technically technology from the 70s at its yeah. at its you know it's it's like i've i've made the joke it's a little sarcastic but it's like you know we've gone to the moon or at least faked it really well we can make an overdrive it's like i don't know there's a thing with guitar players that's like and i i'm a guitar player but it's just like the need for this magic and yeah. like you know this thing nobody can copy it's it's silly you know dumble amps this clone oh, dumble stuff. amps yeah i i was at um yeah. i was at um 
Paul Allen's studio in Beverly Hills. He's the one of the he has passed on now, but one of the co-founders of Microsoft, and he had all yeah. those Dumble Dumble amps. When I was working on a project there with uh, Warren from Duran Duran, and they do sound friggin' amazing. But it's like, yeah, no, they're they're cool. But at the end of the day, it's it's a circuit, you know. It's, it's hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Look, I like what you said. There's no cauldron. There's no toads, toads, tongues, or. Uh... <laughs> but within that feeling of magic, you know, if when you get into Klon land, even originally at four hundred dollars ish with inflation, you know, beginning of that or like the Dumbles, you know, Klons have been a few thousand dollars now for a while, and now they're really high. Dumbles have been. You can drop a hundred grand on a dumbbell rig pretty easily over the last five, six years. You you kinda wanna hope there's some magic. You know, you need you need to believe something. Otherwise and maybe that's the fun. Yeah. And maybe that maybe if you can afford that, and it, that's great. If it makes like, you feel good. Yeah. yeah. And, and 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 again, you know, I was gonna say this when you mentioned Eric Johnson with the different temperature buzz faces. At the end of the day, my opinion on that, which I actually see how that temperature does affect germanium, so it makes sense. But at the end of the day, you know, Eric Johnson, he always gets brought up. It's like, if Eric Johnson plays his best, who, whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what it comes down to. If he feels really great, if he's engaged and he feels something, that matters. That's a part of the math problem, and that's good. That makes sense. So That makes sense. Yeah. What Have you guys ever thought of doing a Dumble uh, emulation in a pedal yeah not not so straightforward the moonshine is a little bit of a play on that yeah. but it's not it's not like i would we don't really say here's our dumbbell pedal right. but yeah i think there could be something something fun to mess with in the future with that yeah the problem is it's like what is the sound of a dumbbell that you know i've played six of them ish and they all sound different like like it's not quite as simple as 
is there a dumbbell sound and how do you put it in a pedal? Yeah. What is it? Yeah, what is it? They all sound really different. That's interesting. There's a, a pedal that I love that I use. Um, it's an early Zen drive, like the one signed by Alf yeah. on the inside, uh, like 2000, got one of those, 2004, yeah. 2005. And apparently it sounds like a dumbbell. Um, that's what people say. Yeah, that, that pedal is a, I think that's probably the first dumbbell pedal, most likely. Um, yeah, and the, again, it sounds awesome. It sounds great. It's, it's one of, think... a go-to for me when you need like just like kind of muted chugging eighth notes and you just want to in, inst- instantly dial in a, yeah. a really expensive tone. It's like, boom, it's there. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good one. Um, I want to go back to um, how did you, you know, approach, I guess you almost made it sound like it was an accident that you became a pedal company. I know in the beginning you built pedals. And then, and, and just give us a little background on the beginning of JHS and how it morphed into what it, it is today. Yeah, we're, we're setting at 15 years old. So it was an accident, but it's like, that's a very like undermining statement. Yeah. I mean, it was an accident, but like I worked my butt off with the accident. You know, there's yeah, always yeah. the, it's always, it's not either or, but yeah, I never intended, I never intended to be here on this call with you you know I, I never wanted to do any i never saw any of this i wasn't shooting for this i just um like 2007 or so i fixed a, a foot switch on a boss pedal and i i i have a real obsessive personality obviously you know <laughs> um but i got really into like how stuff works and and honestly i needed a hobby and i i got really into it and then I just started kind of taught myself schematics. I, I would, you know, I, I bought a couple like used uh, small signal textbooks for like community college or whatever. And I'm just, just, I just thought it was cool. I just, I love learning. I'm just a, I'm a learner for fun, you know? And so I got really into it and started modifying pedals. And then at the time I lived in Jackson, Mississippi and there was a, a local shop there in Fondren area. Some people may know where that's at. And he just started kind of selling them on consignment and they would sell out. And I dropped a few on eBay and they would just sell really quickly. And, and I realized pretty quickly is like, Oh, there's like a little thing here that people like, it's something different. You know, there wasn't as many pedals back then. Well, you were doing something right. I was, obviously. Yeah. And I, there were established people that we would call boutique for sure. You know, Keeley was already a legend. Analog Man was a legend. Zvex, but you all, yeah, Zvex was a legend. And those are the I saw those guys and like these are these are you know these are the top of the hill here. But there was also I think a new breed of people that none of us knew each other at the time, but we've all had backwards conversations where it's like Jamie at Earthquake are pretty much the same time, you know, Catlin bread starting, you've got the formation of all these similar kind of pedal brands and people tinkering, you know, Chase Bliss is a few years after me. And yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And you had, you had a lot of stuff going on, you know, Oh seven, Oh eight, Oh nine. But yeah, I just got into it and I kept learning and, and basically to be really honest, I just kept learning in front of people. Um, you know, if you look at my early stuff, it's it's real simple. It's real primitive. I, but my stuff's always simple. I like simple. But you can kind of see me learn, and the products reflect I see. something more difficult. And it's just like I just I'm a believer in whatever you do creatively. If you're a songwriter or a 
drummer or a movie maker, just learn in front of people. You know, don't wait. Don't wait to get it right. There is no right. That's that's kind of like a Rick Rubin way of thinking too. It's like you know, you do what's right sure. for you, and if and if you love it and you put your heart into it, other people will feel that. You know, I think. Yeah, I think especially today with the like the social pressure. You know, you gotta. You got if you're a creative, your TikToks need to look. It's like that's really exhausting. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So just you know, and I just kind of say we have a we have a saying here: just try stuff. It's like I'm a big fan, and I, with our company, I try to, and I, I believe we hold this as a team. It's like we just learn in front of you. We're gonna try stuff. We're gonna experiment. We're okay if this isn't great, but if we're having fun and someone connects to it, it was worth trying. Lenoticlon is nowhere near. I never dreamed it would be that big. Insane. It was just, it was just to do it. So you know, if I'd thought too much about that, might not have made it. Yeah, you just did it. Um, what are some of the trends you see in guitar builders today? Like I, I've kind of like, I bought a lot of pedals. I've got a few hundred pedals, and I kind, I started noticing like. I, like I, I loved Montreal Assembly when they first came out. I got really big into the Count to Five and the Zellerson. Yeah. And 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 I and I thought they were super innovative and cool. And then I just started seeing this wave of like everything starting to use whatever chip that was that makes everything sort of that chip monkey high sparkly. Uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, I guess they there's a term for it. But it just I just started feeling like there's there's the trends become like so trendy that that people are afraid to try something really new you know and sometimes it doesn't have to be new to be great you know uh, i know it's kind of a roundabout question but i'm yeah i'm just like that makes sense as, as far as the trends yeah I, I think it's a fun it's a fun discussion i mean i see a lot of stuff people send almost everything here i i feel like we've come through an interesting time of like really complicated pedals. Yes. Um, and I'm really fascinated by some of it. I don't think like that, nor do I want to make things like that. But man, I have such a respect for like Joel's mind at Chase Bliss or even like Brady and that team at Old Blood. Like we're all really close. And there's just, and then you can even look into the more like pro DSP side. Um, you know, Strymon, stuff like that, where you can, you buy a pedal and it's got like three switches, all these, and it's just like MIDI layers and, and alternate hidden, menu. hidden functions. And... Yeah, I think that has been huge. And it's been something that's proven. And, you know, Universal Audio's kind of come in. Now they have a version of that that's a little simpler. I feel it coming back to simple again, which I think it always will in some circle. But I, I do think that... You know, the most notable trend I've seen is I feel like we may be kind of leaving the complicated after about five years of complicated. Yeah, and it's complicated just kept getting more complicated. I've been overwhelmed yeah. with a few things that I bought. And... But, and for sure, like, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with it. And I, I personally don't make complicated things, and there's probably reasons for that is, like, like, I really am kind of caveman simple with guitar. And so I think my stuff reflects that. And I, and I think, yeah, like when I look like, and knowing Joel, like I do, his mind is on another plane of me and him. You know, we have a lot of good discussions, but I mean, this guy is like a technical genius, you know, and I'm more of a, 
what feels interesting here in this old, like, what can I recreate and add to? And it's a very different approach. I love the way um, you take old ideas, like, and, and turn them into something new just by the, the, your interpretation of it. And, and I think that says something, that's some, a little bit like a, your guitar playing too. Like you have a very like cool retro-y, but still not like, you know, like Black Sabbath like or whatever. You know, it's modern and old at the same time. And I think that kind of reflects your, your yeah. whole guitar thing, you know? Yeah, the, the guitar playing thing is funny. It's like, I feel like I just abuse the stuff I know and beat the guitar. And, That's what you know, I do. It's, it uh, but works. It, I, I have a weird, uh, musically, I do feel odd. I, you know, I, 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 I got an elect I got a guitar because of grunge. I, I was a, you know, I I heard Pearl Jam and that was my initial thing and then I pretty quickly jumped into like classic I found Pink Floyd and stuff, pretty generic patterns. And then and then it got nuts. I kind of went everywhere. I remember I remember by the time I was 19 or so, I'm like equally in love with like the first three dylan records as i was with like rage against the machine that's that's cool and i felt and then and then it was like oh i i'm obsessed with john coltrane now and then i found myself kind of feeling really all over the place and i think in the guitar i think yeah i think there's this thing that's kind of funny with how that's how it shows itself where it's like all of it. I like kind of all of it. I have tendencies, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to play into certain things that I am most comfortable at on the guitar, certain sounds and tones, ambience and radio headish things. Love I'm always going to do that. Yeah. Like Pearl Jam type stuff. But yeah, there's always this side of me that's like equally at home with some dag dad guitar and a capo, you know, or something. But, but then I stumble across one of your videos and you're talking about like the, the 16 second, uh, electro harmonics the original one you know and yeah. and now that you open up like a giant rabbit hole inside my brain and it's like i have to know everything about that and this there's an insane like history uh behind that pedal the guy from wilco uh using it yeah and well, and, yeah. and i was just mesmerized by you i think you had a guest on there and you guys were show, sharing pedals and I think it was you played one of the originals. And ever since I've been yeah. studying all the clones out there and people, there's the, the reissues. And then there's a couple of new companies that actually make one in a modular synth. Uh, hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Um, yeah. Style, but I don't trust them because it's like, I want you to make one. <laughs> oh. I That is a pedal that keeps kind of... It's like the Loch Ness monster. Yes, yes. It'll kind of pop up 
in the water like people yeah like i that is a pedal i would love to take a shot at that would be insane. it's a very bizarre project it can I, it looks complicated um it's complicated because it's such an old digital brain it's it's i mean technically we're talking like kind of the first ever looper technology yep, sort of yep. and then you have it's just a weird product you know it's very outdated but and it's really squirrely because of that but that's what makes it so cool and i remember talking to nels klein about this pedal and he has he's one of the only people i've ever seen who i feel like he immediately can engage with that pedal and control it yeah whereas other engage with the pedal and it controls them. i see yeah there's a little bit of a like you're you're fighting the beast there even for me like i you know i understand it but i even find myself and maybe knows this too maybe he's a master of fooling us with how he looks while he's doing it but it's <laughs> like i kind of feel like he knows where he's going and he lands there i'm always like what's the, i know what this is doing oh this is happening let's live here like yeah, i yeah, always feel like sure I'm, rather i get you and there's something about recreating that that will be inevitably so difficult. I, I, it just is good. Whoever tries to do it. I hope you do because I think I, I think you can do it. Yeah. And I think yours would be the best one out there without a doubt. I just I just have a gut instinct. I I haven't played any replicas or even a reissue by EH. And so I don't, you know, it's just hard for me to believe that someone could do it. It's such a bizarre pedal. Yeah, I think it would be... What I like when I see a pedal and like on that show particularly, I'm like, okay, I've never heard any pedal do that before. I mean, that's that's usually the yeah. thing that makes me go, oh my god, you know, I I want yeah, I want yeah. one of those because I have never heard that before. And of course, you know, the originals are like insane money. I'm not going to spend that kind of money on an original. So crazy, yeah. But anyway, that would be a fun project, and I hope you do it. I'll I, I want the uh, I'm going to okay. I'm going to put the first pre order right. in right here and now. You can put put me in for for serial number two because you get the first one. <laughs> All right, sixteen second delay. I love it. I would be so thrilled and honored if I was part of uh, that seed in your brain because I just have a feeling you can do it. I have a pedal they made. Do you know the um? It's green and black, and it's. Let me look at it. What is it called? Instant instant replay. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that similar era of technology? Do you think? Uh. The instant replay, I think it's, yeah, I think it comes from that tech of the 16 second delay. Um, there's such a story there. I love that horrible the, sound that it has. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The instant replay is equally weird and bizarre. And you know, what happens is this is kind of at the end of electroharmonics and they go bankrupt. Oh, wow. And what happens is Mike actually sells all of this tech to Akai. So if you ever see like the Akai head, head rush and all that stuff, there's this weird crossover that's kind of hidden from most knowledge, which is Mike sold all that tech and you kind of see some of it reappear within Akai as some of the first loopers. And the guy who designed it all, he's just brilliant. Um, he was the guy who designed like the small, small stone and all kinds of stuff. Wow. But yeah, there's just such a crazy story to this funky, weird, I love it. Last of the '80s electroharmonic stuff. 
Okay, guys, this is going to spill over into a part two. So we're going to be back next week with part two of Josh and the JHS pedal story. Thanks. Please like and subscribe and see you next time. Anthony J. Resta, Studio Secrets A to Z, signing off. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.